This is the third week of a series we've been in called People of the Second Chance, and if you uh, have not been here, that no worries. We, uh, we, every, every Sunday, even though we're in a series, is a unique talk of its own. Uh, but today we're going to look at the passage from Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It says this. It's Jesus talking, and uh, he's a, a, instructing a crowd there, and he says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me.'" For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So it's one thing to be aware that like God gives you a second chance. It's a total additional thing to be aware that like you can possess that second chance and just like cling to the fact that it's yours. That's the two things that we've talked about is that there is a second, we serve a second chance God, that we can receive that second chance. But how do we rest in that chance? Today I want to talk about resting, and I think it's a subject that we're awful at, right? Are, are you good at resting? I am no good at resting. It's just something that um, I think I think I'm comfortable saying I'm preaching to the choir today, as the term would go, because it is a tough deal to really receive the rest that God has, has promised us in, in His Scripture. America is known as the worst country for rest. It's not in our DNA to rest. It's not in our culture. And, and so I was doing some looking at just how bad are we, you know? And you can go out, like I think it was USA Today ranked uh, all the countries and how good were we at resting and how good were we at uh, giving mandated vacation days. The U.S. in the developing world is the 39th ranked country uh, for giving uh, like mandated vacation days. So listen to some of these. Australia. Australia. I've said this before, but when I preach, if you know this guy, his name's Brian Houston. He's pastor of Hillsong. Every once in a while, I pretend while I'm preparing my message that I'm Brian Houston. And like, I hear his voice coming out of me. I never preach that way, but Brian Houston's from Australia. Sydney, Australia. If you've ever listened to his podcast, he sounds kind of like that. Anyway, we uh, Australia, 31 mandated by the government vacation days. Like, if you go to work during those days, you're in trouble. So 31 mandated vacation days uh, a year. You must take 31 days off by law. Uh, Germany, Germany, very industrious, very hard workers, right? But they still have 34 mandated vacation days. They call them holiday, right, around the world. Are you on holiday? No, I'm actually traveling. What is, what is that? Like, is that Christmas? What's a holiday? You know, we don't know that in America, but they say it in the rest of the world. Finland, they're number one on the list, right? 44 mandated holiday days. Is that crazy? A month and a half of vacation. Everyone in that country. So how many of you are ready to move to Finland? I mean, they get the cell phones first. They've got technology figured out. What's going on here? Well, we, uh, we are, are ranked and uh, 39th because you know how many mandated vacation days from the government we have in our country? Zero. 
Is that crazy? Zero vacation days are mandated by the government. Now, most workplaces will give you uh, like 10 days, uh, but in America, we're known for not taking them. You try to cash them out or roll them over. We think it's like sprint or something, right? Cell plan. It's just like, can I, can I roll over those vacation days? And, and then you finally get told, hey, you have, to, you have to bank some of them or cash some of them in. You're like, oh, you know. I mean, we're the place. It, it wasn't too long ago, right, that I was watching the news at night. I usually like chill at the news before I go to bed. Probably not good because I take in all the negative news in the world before I fall asleep. Um, but I'll sit there and watch the news and, and uh and, and they, I remember all the squabbles over sick days. I mean, this is beyond vacation. This is like now you've worked so hard you're sick, and now I don't even want to give you a day off if you're ill and you're like waiting tables, you know? It's just crazy. So we live in this world. We do not get rest. And so I know when we're talking about rest and we're reading a passage that says you're weary and burdened and you need rest and it's a gift from God, you're like, in one ear and out the other. But you got to pause today and just kind of listen because we do need rest. And God talks a lot about it in the Scripture and challenges us. But for your benefit, I'm going to talk about a little bit different perspective of rest that God's really referring to as he says this. As Jesus is talking here in Matthew 11, he's talking about a different kind of rest, a rest that's more like letting go. And if you're a fill-in-the-blanker, the first fill-in-the-blank there on your handout is rest equals releasing yourself from the grind of earning to walking in the power of enjoying. Let go of comparison. It's resting in a way that is letting go of perfectionism. Now, I'm OCD, so that's a little tough. But anyway, so you know, you're like, or letting go of supposed tos, right? What if we rest and we let go of the complications caused by religious pressures? We're going to talk a lot about, about that today. And it will connect with you even if you've never been in church before in your life. What Jesus did for you and I, being the Son of God, coming in, in all humanity and taking all the sin of the world upon Himself on a cross and then raising three days later from the grave, sending into heaven and giving us this promised Holy Spirit that you read about all over the Old Testament so we can be comforted and strengthened to live our life to the full, right? What Jesus did there is open the door for our rest because the walk of faith before Christ had a lot of rules and a lot of difficulty and the crowd that Jesus is sharing to here in Matthew 11 is a religious crowd, those who have been trying to live up to all the religious law and pressures of the day, and they could not do it. They were heavy laden. They were weighed down. And so he was trying to bring enjoyment back into this relationship with God thing. And if you came today thinking that it, maybe today was, was worth it, you've been thinking about going to church, and you're like, you know, if I go to church today, uh, to, today things might go better because God will like me better if I go to church. 
That's not at all true. So bad news is that that's not true. God won't like you better for showing up here today. He liked you as much as He can like you since you were born. And He loves you unconditionally. And we can't do things to earn more of His love. We can only embrace that love, what opens a door for us to live life to the full. And it's a challenge for us to rest in that. It's a challenge for us to rest in a second chance of grace and forgiveness. It's a challenge for us to trust that Jesus did pay the price for all of it. There's a book in the Bible called Galatians, and it looks at the same issue that Jesus was talking to here in Matthew 11. Uh, The book of Galatians is written to uh, this church that Paul started, uh, the Apostle Paul, and so God inspires him to write this book to the Galatians and, and helping them kind of get back on track because they've been tossed off track, not by those who didn't know God, but those who did. And those who did know God were trying to put on them a faith that had to do with more than grace through faith in Jesus. He was tr- they, they were trying to, the, the group was called Judaizers, and they were trying to place this mandate on the people that, you know what? Yeah, you've chosen to follow Jesus, and you may have been baptized and had a great experience through faith in Jesus, but now you know what? You need to do the rest of what the Bible teaches. You need to practice all the Mosaic laws in the Old Testament, and starting with circumcision is, was their big deal. And so um, they started trying to practice Jesus and the law, and they were finding themselves unsuccessful badly unsuccessful, and again, they were taking upon themselves the weight, the burden of the law that Jesus was saying, hey, all you are weary and heavy laden, you know, let go of that. Let go of that. Let me lighten your burden. And uh, so, let me read this portion when, when they're being instructed. It says in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Interesting that religion was called slavery here. Verse 2, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the spirit of righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. It's like of no spiritual significance. And it concludes with this, the only thing that counts. So the only score on the board, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's all. So remember what Jesus said in Matthew 11 is He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, you'll rest, you'll, you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's an echo of that and trying to get people to say, hey, you were set free. Why are you bonding yourself again? You're putting yourself into slavery by beginning this practice. Uh, Don't put the responsibility for your eternal inheritance back on your works or your ability to follow all the rules. 
It was in a place and, and point where these people were told they needed more than just the Savior, right? Uh, they were trying to do all of the not-dos and, and trying to not do all of the don't-dos and trying to do all the do-dos, right, in the Old Testament. And if you begin to read all those, it gets really confusing. And so you might be sitting there today thinking, then I'm screwed because I'm circumcised. So what do I do now, right? <laughs> I hope you're not thinking that. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about if you're circumcised for a religious reason, right? These are adults becoming circumcised, which is a whole other reason that you should have mandated days off, right? That sounds painful, and I'm glad that happened in my childhood. Was that TMI right there? That was TMI that I'm circumcised. So anyway, uh, they, you just look at this and you go, these people were trying to live according to these very painful rules. They gave Dr. Snippet a lot of business, but they were opening themselves up to being weary again and being burdened again in legalism, and they were falling away from grace. Now, we start to think of, well, what were all these laws? And, and maybe, I mean, they haven't been on the walls of your school. I don't think that really matters personally. Uh, you didn't take God out of the school just because you took down a little poster on a wall called the Ten Commandments, right? But some people really freak out about that. Uh, so, the Ten Commandments, you know, you have these rules, uh, you know, worship no other God before me. And it's back in Exodus if you want to look it up. You know, you have like, um, don't be a jerk uh, was on there, I think. Don't lie, still kill. Don't take that pill, especially if your neighbor's wife gives it to you and it's for her. Anyway, that's, uh, there's some, that's rough translation. Uh, but, you know, you're not supposed to want your neighbor's wife more than your wife. And a bunch of rules, right? And you think of these Ten Commandments. And you're like, I'm not supposed to do all those. And you think they're like the big deal, right? But really in the Mosaic Law, there was actually 613 laws. When you start to total them all up in the Old Testament and practice all of them, which is why it was impossible. 613. 365 of these were things not to do, and 248 were things to do. Do you know there's a reason that phone numbers are only seven digits long? Because it was proven at one time that the mind could not remember more than seven numbers, and also that if they were in threes or fours, you could remember them, but you couldn't remember them if they were in, like, patterns of five. And now we don't even remember them because we program them into our cell phones. And uh, so it's just kind of interesting to me that, man, that's 365 don't-dos and, and 248 do's. Yeah, that's, I couldn't do that. I don't think my Wonderlist reminder would like reminding me of all the things I have to do on my smartphone, you know, if I was trying to live up to that. But this one guy tried to, okay? Here's this. There's, there's a guy, his name is uh, A.J. Jacobs, and he's a writer for Esquire magazine. And he does these extreme lifestyle experiments. And I saw a TED Talk by him, and he also wrote a book. He did an extreme lifestyle experiment. And his experiment, and he's agnostic, you know, he just doesn't believe in God, and, and, uh, or he doesn't practice his belief or whatever he says. But he, uh, uh, he wanted to live for a year as accurately as possible according to every law he could find in the Bible. So he read all these different translations of the Bible, met with all these pastors and priests, and, and of all faiths, you know, he just met with all these people. And he actually came up with more than 700 laws. Uh, so he, he like even invented a bunch that aren't really mosaic laws. And it, but he tried to live by these 700 things he found. 
and he wrote a book called A Year of Living Biblically, One Man's Humble Quest to Follow the Bible as Literally as Possible. There's a picture of him before and after here. So, uh, he jokes around how he started getting uh, security checks a lot at the airport. I don't know if they really check you more if you look like that. But uh, it, 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 he's very entertaining, actually. You may want to just spend 10 minutes listening to his TED Talk. But uh, very, so his name's A.J. Jacobs. If you want to write that down, you could just look it up and a year of living biblically and you'll find it. But one of the laws that he found, you know, was that men couldn't show their chin. Uh, the, the, the law was that men could not reveal their chin. So he grew that like man beard in a year. Like that's some serious quantity of fur. And uh, he said by the end of the year, it felt like he was wearing a sweater on his face and his wife for the last couple months would not kiss him because he, uh, it, he smelled like he had like a, a day's worth of food stored inside of his beard from like the previous day. And so, um, uh, it was kind of an interesting story as he tells it. Just to try to live up to that one alone, not cutting his, his facial hair was a challenge and a little messy. And, uh, but then w- one of my favorite stories he tells is, is uh, you know, in the, in the law it says you should stone adulterers, right? And then you have all these, like, this is what an adulterer is like. So he would carry in his pocket rocks. And, he, you know, he confessed they were just pebbles, but they were still rocks, right? And, and when he would meet somebody, and people would ask, what are you doing? Because he would actually, like, wear biblical clothes. He would, like, put on, like, a robe and, like, have a staff and walk through downtown New York and, and, uh, and Times Square and stuff. And somebody would go, what are you doing, you know? And he's just like, I'm trying to live a year biblically. And, and somebody said to him, uh, well, I'm an adulterer. So what are you going to do? And he pulled the rocks out of his pocket, and, uh, which had to have been awkward in itself, you know, right? When you're wearing like a robe, what do you do? Do you like pull it up and pull? That's exposing yourself in Times Square. But anyway, so they, you know, so he pulls this rock out of his pocket and he starts throwing these it's 20-some pebbles that he has to stone, right? So he's throwing these pebbles at this guy and he says the guy just rushed him, grabbed the pebbles and threw them in his face. I would have loved to have seen that on YouTube. But, you know, I'm just laughing. And then other things that people would just pull jokes on him, including his wife, because there's uh, sick rules uh, in the Old Testament, like uh, you can't sit in the seat of somebody who's menstruating. I, 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 that's an awkward word to say in, in church. But, but anyway, you know, so she would just to, to tease him and try to make him not be able to fulfill his living biblically, she would sit in every seat in their house. So he had to like hide a chair that he could sit on or he'd be standing all the time in the house just trying to live biblically for a year. He found that it was very complicated and impossible to live according to all these laws he had found and remember them all so that he could do them all correctly and, and uh, re- what he found was he just proved Scripture to be true, actually. And uh, uh, it's what Paul was saying to the Galatians, and it's what Jesus was saying to His disciples and the teachers of the law that were surrounding Him, like, this burden is too much for you to bear. You cannot fulfill all the law, and that's why Jesus came in the first place. Listen to this, Romans 3.20. No one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. 
This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, and there's no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It's grace that you're saved by, not observing the law. Romans 5.20, the law was added so that the trespass might increase. In other words, you have 613 rules so that you understand you can't live up to the rules. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus our Lord. And final one I'll read you from Romans 6.14, sin shall not be your master because you're not under the law but under grace. Jesus made a way for us to live under grace instead of living under the law, so don't step back in this relationship of living according to the law. So do you view your faith or the faith, if you've yet to choose to follow Jesus, do you view the faith through the lens of the law or through the lens of grace? Because it's going to really affect how well you rest in your second chance. And I want to suggest we take the advice of Jesus and God's inspiration as Paul wrote Galatians, and we find rest. Because otherwise, we're going to be weary. Religion's going to be this heavy burden of rituals and practices and sacrifices that are odd and culturally crazy. The law was not a light burden. And Jesus wanted to uncomplicate everything, and He did by way of the cross and the resurrection. And gives us the Holy Spirit so we can have the strength and way to follow. Today you can find rest for your soul. And if you're weary, you came to the right place. And if you've seen religion as a burden and people talk about the things they had to give up to follow Jesus, there's another way, and it's a way of grace. There's some things out of the fullness of life you experience when you choose to follow Jesus that you just let go of, but there's not much like you have to do. And, uh, and, and so it's challenging. Religion says do. Jesus said done. So now we have this opportunity to be free and go live life to the full in complete freedom from the works mindset and uh, living with a grace mindset. Maybe this is confusing to you. It's kind of confusing to me every once in a while when I dive into it. You're like, wow, this is just so simple. There's got to be something harder. Let me find the harder thing. You know, you just start to study, and you're like, there's got to be something more difficult in these Gospels. I'm going to read more and more and try to figure this out. But, you know, I think the challenge that was being presented here, we need, to, we need to receive this challenge and just go, oh, my goodness, it really is that simple. What Paul and Jesus were addressing, we're still addressing this today. And there's still this mentality of, of difficulty and, hey, you're free, but, Right? I grew up on a 365-acre farm, and if, if you're a, a child in a three-boy family, that's heaven, right? 365 acres to wander as I pleased. I could climb any tree I wanted to, right? Kind of that deal. Half of it was forest, half of it was field, and uh, we had climbing trees galore, but this is one of my favorite things. Uh, uh, you know, I, my kids wouldn't believe this if I told it to them. It would sound like I was, you know, just 
lying, but I did have to walk a quarter of a mile to the bus stop, right? Uh, whether it was rain, snow, whatever, we, we walked a quarter of a mile to the bus stop. If my dad was at work, we weren't driven to the bus stop because my mom has never to this day got a driver's license. So, um, uh, so literally we walked. Nowadays, like, we're 10 steps from the, the bus. That's an exaggeration. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're close to the bus stop, and we drive them if it's sprinkling, right? That's what we do. We pull our car out of our garage and, and, and drive to the bus. But, and that's, uh, uh, but that day, no, we walked a quarter of a mile on a gravel, dirty, puddled road to the bus. Well, one of my favorite things as a boy coming home from school in the warmth of the afternoon in the fall was to step on, kill, or catch those little fuzzy like caterpillars. Have you ever done that? Have you seen them all over the place? The little fuzzy like orange and black caterpillars. And, and so we would, we would, you know, I was a boy. Somebody said, aw, when I stepped on it, right? I'm sorry about that. I heard that. They, a uh, uh, little tender heart, the caterpillar was going to turn into a beautiful butterfly. That's where I'm going with the story. But so we, we, I would catch it, stick it in a jar. I was nice enough to poke holes uh, in the top of that jar, my, mo- my mom cans everything, right? So, like, lots of jars and lids. So, we, we did the jar deal, poked holes in it so you could, like, so the little caterpillar could breathe. And it wasn't, you'd put grass in there and some, maybe something from the garden, and uh, if mom wasn't looking. And then the caterpillar would munch and eat. And then next thing you know, a while later, you see the cocoon and you have a butterfly, and it was cool to open it up and, like, whoosh, butterfly, be free. Now, can you imagine that butterfly coming back and at the end of the day, like, finding me and saying, can you please put me back in the jar? That has never happened. I, I never saw that occur in all my childhood on the farm because that would be ridiculous, right? The, the butterfly doesn't go back in the jar, but we do that to ourselves when we discover freedom through following Jesus, and then we get back in the jar of religion and try to live according to the 613 Mosaic laws. And they were trying to put people back in the jar. It was like raising the butterfly, letting the butterfly go, and as soon as it landed on a flower, chasing that butterfly down and just capping the jar again and going, sucka, right? And you're just like, that would be mean again. And we could say, oh, right? And that would be wonderful. You know, go, go spread your wings and fly was the whole point of the exercise. Well, while we were uh, in Indonesia uh, for 30 days, we got to see lots of, of animals and stuff, random ones like, you know, prairie dogs or whatever. We were really up close to these, these animals. And uh, I mean, I was so close to a tiger, you'll see an image of it here, that uh, I could smell what it ate. I mean, I literally could, could have gotten my finger chewed off, probably, uh, if I was dumb enough to do that. I mean, there was no barriers there. Here in America, we have barriers, but there was no barriers there. So, uh, flamingos, you know, you could just, they're, they're just right there, really close to you. Snakes eating meals. We got to get really close. Again, for the mouse, let's say, oh. And, uh, but anyway, uh, so we, we were able to, that did freak our girls out a little. Just a little, but not enough to keep them from holding a snake later. Uh, we got to hold snakes, and we, you know, so, you know, it, it wasn't that dangerous holding it. It was just gross, really, 
And uh, so we got to hold snakes. We got to uh, visit turtles, right? Like sit on this massive turtle. And we got to hold turtles too. But uh, so turtles. I, I picked the one of Dana freaking out because it moved. And I just thought that was a more entertaining picture. Um, and we got to uh, see bats, like touch them. These huge, they're called flying foxes. And Jaden decided to, she's the daring one in our family. You'll notice she's in a lot of the pictures with the animals. The other ones were crying at a distance. Jenna, at one time when we were holding the snake on Turtle Island is what this is called in Bali, they, uh, uh, we were holding the snakes and, and the guy that didn't really speak our language well was uh, decided to pull a funny on Jenna because she's at a distance crying and weeping and saying, I want to go to America, right? At a distance, about 20 feet away. I'm ready to go back to America. And uh, so she's shouting that over here and he kind of sensed her fear. And so he said, on your leg. And she lost it. You know, he made it 10 times worse. Uh, And so somehow he had learned in English, on your leg. That was impressive. He said it well and it was effective. Um, the, the thing all these animals, even though you could touch them, like when I was taking one of the pictures of the bat, it was literally grabbing my camera and trying to pull it out of my hand. It was kind of weird. It extended its like, wings out and was trying to pull the lens. And I was going, you know, and, and it was kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, there's animals everywhere. I, just kidding. That was actually a stuffed animal, but it looks really good. And Jaden is our little actress. There was one instance that was different. And pause on that photo there. Uh, when we were really close to most of the animals and all those other scenarios, they were all captive, even on Turtle Island. The bat, for some reason, did fly every night, but it would return to the same branch inside this, like, Turtle Island exhibit. Uh, and, and I look at, I, I look at the zoo. Yeah, you could touch them or smell their breath, but, but they were captive, They were free inside their cage, but they weren't really free, right? They were still captive. But there was this one moment on uh, a beach in Bali where they were doing this release the turtles race event where they'd raised these turtles and were releasing them out into the ocean. And it was the coolest thing to see. Like these turtles are really going to experience freedom. They're going out into the ocean. There's no cages. One decided to like my legs, so I took a picture of it below me. Go ahead, Jeff. And uh, it was just right there hanging out, kind of making its way out. But a wave came in and helped it go out. Just the coolest thing to see. They at least were going to experience freedom. What a sad story if they would go from there and, like, swim around the corner and go to Turtle Beach. And like, oh, can you please lock me up? You know, that would be a sad day. But... The challenge for us, Paul is writing to the Galatians, encouraging them not to get back into captivity. And I think we need to recognize the same. The saddest animal I've ever witnessed in a zoo, honestly, that I just thought was hilarious, at Point Defiance Zoo, there's a crow in an exhibit. I mean, how much does that suck, right? It's like there's crows everywhere. Ah, ah, ah. But they cage one. They're like, look, kids, this is a raven right? It's just weird, but um, it's just the saddest story because it's held captive. And and we can have that sad of a story in our faith. We can be held captive again by the law when really we're supposed to rest in our second chance through Jesus. How well do we do resting? 
Again, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, this is Jesus talking, and you'll learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is, is light. This yoke is an image, actually. In their culture, they'd totally get it. But we probably wouldn't that well here. The yoke is an image of what is used to control an ox. It's like this, this wooden thing in their day. Now we'd like wrap it with leather or whatever if you were on a farm. But they would take ox and they would, they would yoke the ox together and, you know, rein them in and control where they go so they could work the land. And, and so yoke was for ox. But it was also a spiritual term. Yoke, in the context that Jesus was using it, was a spiritual term that referred to uh, teaching. So every high rabbi in the day would have a yoke. It was considered like their teaching was their yoke. It was, their, it, was, it was how much they required of you was their teaching, and you would follow their yoke or their way of teaching. And so that's what's being referred to here as yoke, and they were trying to put the yoke upon people of 613 Mosaic laws at the time Jesus was sharing this. So people got this yoke deal and that it was a burden and that they couldn't follow it, and it was impossible. And Jesus was saying, well, my yoke is, is light, Right? And, and he wanted everybody to know his yoke, his teaching. In fact, right uh, uh, when he, he went to the cross and rose from the dead, and when he's sharing with his disciples what they're supposed to do now before he ascends into heaven, he tells them this in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Translation, teaching them my yoke. Give them my yoke which is everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus was very uncomplicated compared to the religious rulers of the day because He fulfilled the laws. He was the culmination of all of what the Old Testament talked about. They all pointed to Him, but the people of the day did not understand that. Jesus finished the work on the cross, when he said, it is finished, it like literally all those laws were finished on the cross, and he completed them. He fulfilled them. It's impossible, impossible to follow all of them. And this week, uh, I was thinking, you know, in preparation for, for this, this weekend, I was just thinking of all the things we do, all the different things we put upon ourselves and we do it in more areas than faith. We do it with self-image. And this week was national, uh, it was the anti-bullying week or whatever. You know, people were wearing orange, and there was the, the bullying awareness day on Wednesday, and maybe, maybe you saw some people talking about that on the news or whatever. But come to think, you know, you, you look at statistics, 90% of 15- to 7-year-old girls want to change one aspect of their appearance. 90%, Right? 25% of them want plastic surgery. A third of all high school girls believe they're overweight, and bullying multiplies its effects. And uh, they just prey upon the weak and, and the rules, and you have to look like this. And the devil takes all advantage of that and bullies us in our faith. I mean, the enemy is no different. He's a bully. 
John 10.10, 10 is, is, it says, the thief comes only to still kill and destroy, and I've come that you may have life and life to the full. So I thought it would be anti-bullying of us in the faith if we kind of just relieve ourselves of the bullying of the enemy telling us we have to live up to these 613 laws and rest in our second chance. Don't let yourself be bullied. And unfortunately, oftentimes, who we're bullied by the most is the religious around us. Because there's something in us that makes us feel like we want to go the extra mile or earn our way into heaven when really we can't. We have to rest on the price that Jesus paid. We need to embrace this concept. He wants us to love instead of like trying to practice all these rules. Wow. Well, there's, th- there's three things that I want to hit on real quick to give you some points to apply this, if you would. So, uh, the, the fill-ins there, it's pretty easy to figure out probably. Um, but how can we ultimately uh, rest in our second chance? And uh, I think what would be most wise, number one, is to daily spend time in the Word because if we're supposed to take Jesus' yoke upon us, then we should read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the first four books of the New Testament. We should, we should open those up and just make a daily habit of, of, of reading those so we can recognize when somebody's trying to put something on us that Jesus didn't, right? And, uh, and spend consistent time. And, and so much so that I actually put on the back of your handout today uh, the pattern that if I was just going to read the Gospels for the first time, I would choose that order, John, Matthew, Luke, and then Mark, uh, because John will tell you you're loved over and over and over again. And then Matthew and Luke, like Matthew is a tax collector and Luke was a doctor, enough said. And then Mark uh, is just kind of out there, you know, in his writing. It just takes a totally different perspective on it. So, so like when they're writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, their personalities come through. And uh, so, I just love that order. It's probably how I would read it. You could check it off, or, you know, you could also download a Bible reading plan through the Gospels or whatever from version on your your phone. But if we can spend time in the Gospel seeing what Jesus taught, then I think we can take His teachings into our lives a lot more effectively. And if we just continue to saturate ourselves with with His way, then we won't be led astray by those who are trying to get us to, to start taking on the ways of the law and the Mosaic law, we'll comprehend, no, Jesus made it pretty clear like He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through Him, so, so I'll stick with Jesus. He's, he's good, right? Um, number two, show love to others. You know, we, we, we read it there in Galatians 5, but He he made it clear at the conclusion, Paul was challenging the Galatians to like, no, don't do this again. Don't give yourself over to the law. Tell you what, this is the only thing that matters. He says the only thing that counts in Galatians 5, 6, faith expressing itself through love. I mean, if you're comprehending, if you're reading the Gospels and you're discovering, man, Jesus loved, God loved me so much to send His Son, right? And you start to take that in. There's only so much of that you can handle before you give it away. It's just naturally behavior gives way to your understanding. And, and so you're like, I am going to start to give this away and, and, and just acts of love. He's like, express it through love. Rest is found by being active in your faith. It's kind of backwards. 
If you think that you're being, by being active in your faith, you earn favor with God, it's a burden, right? Like you, oh, I have to, great, beautify Bonnie Lake, I have to go clean up and like clip a branch or rake some leaves. But I guess I have to because like God wants me to serve, right? It's like a burden then. But if you're filled with love for others, it's an opportunity. It's like this is going to be refreshing to do this. It's what gives way to generosity. You realize really quick the effect that generosity has on people. If you just, and generosity is basically just being selfless and serving others. And, uh, and so it's pretty cool when you get a chance to express your faith in a loving way and watch lives impacted and open to the gospel for the first time ever in their life. The third thing we need to do is we need to know our mission. Know your mission. Like individually, but as well corporately. Like this place, Open Life, has a little bit different mission than your average church. Just a little. And when you have a pinpoint understanding of the mission um, and Jesus' mission for you, but as well Jesus' mission for the church, then you start to see how impossible it is for the Judaizers to persuade you that you have to take back upon yourself all these crazy practices. We all have to battle against the doubts and self-judgments that we have to do more for God, right? And the feeling that we are making a huge impact in our city, sometimes even I wore it myself. I'm like, I know and I'm told constantly the difference we're making in people's lives and the impact we're making in our city and these different things. But then sometimes I'll start to listen to the voices around me that are asking, how many are sitting in the seats on Sunday? And you just sometimes have to beat that one down, right? Because, like, is Sunday really our biggest deal? When did Sunday stop being the locker room and it started being the game day? Risky to say this, not that I don't want you to come back. Uh, they, uh, but I think it's good to gather and celebrate what God is doing. But, it, you know, this locker room of celebration moment of, hey, great first half. This is going awesome. Great week. Way to go. Hey, let's celebrate what God has done and what we've been able to do for Him. And we give Him thanks and we worship Him. This moment of, like, coming together and being equipped and empowered to go out turned into the only thing to where all of a sudden this little window of time on a Sunday is like the game. And, and you hear terminology in some churches like, it's the Super Bowl of the week, you know? And no, it's the locker room. You're the quarterbacks. Go play. Right? We're, we're here to encourage you and equip you to go impact. The mission is your mission. Open life's not about you taking on our deal. It's about us taking on yours and empowering you to make a difference in the world you're in. We flip the thing upside down because we believe that's what Jesus was doing. It's a lot less complicated. But sometimes it's hard to catch, right? And so that's why we're doing this thing called Activate the next two Sundays in the afternoon from 3 to 5 uh, to explain just, okay, so why does Open Life do what we do? And why do we do it the way we do it? What's, our, what's, what's behind all of this? And we wanted to just make a big deal of it. And so we're doing, we have a couple different opportunities. You could just pick one. But 
Go online and sign up for it. It's on your connection card. But we want you to know how simple it is to be active in your faith, ultimately. But here's what we know. Here's why we started this church three years ago, almost four years ago, I guess. We started this church because only 12% of our city feels comfortable going to church. And there's 88% that don't. 88% of our community, and 50% of those will never come through the doors of a church. Statistically, it'll take, if they ever do come through the church, it'll take 76 touches in their life, positive encounters with those who follow Jesus, to even consider it. So we've got a lot of work to do, and it's not in here. The work we've got to do is out there. And if we're a demonstration of faith that's uncomplicated, that's about Jesus and grace and second chances, that's contagious stuff. Because if you look at this busy, non-vacationed world we live in, there's a lot of stress. And if you're living at peace and full of hope around stressful people, they want what you have. So we want to encourage and equip you to live life to the full like that. We figured while numbers are a great measurement, stories are more important. And uh, it's cool to hear stories and celebrate those when we come together. And uh, I'm just excited about our future. So there's some applications on the back of your connection card. Hopefully you've had a time to fill that out today before the worship team sings, and you can kind of contemplate them on the left, but I want to point your attention to the back side of your connection card, and uh, we do value you filling that out, and, and you'll value it too later this week when you get a thank you gift in the mail. But anyway, they, uh, uh, th- that, next, that next step side on the left hand there, I, I've got three challenges for you. The first is, this week, plan a vacation, and not an American vacation. That means working vacation. We're so good at oxymorons, right? Like working vacation. Shut that, right? No, don't do that. Turn the phones off, you know, leave the computer home. Actually, I did leave the computer home one time, and I really needed it to, like, search where to go eat. So maybe take it, the iPad or something. But, um, you know, so or smartphone, something take with you. But I, uh, uh, you know, don't respond. Turn the phone portion off. Take a vacation with your family. Get away. Slow down. Cut yourself off from all sources of, of communication. Uh, second challenge would be on the back of your handout. It, you know, hey, read through the Gospels. If we're supposed to take all of Jesus' teachings on us, which all point to grace and forgiveness through the cross and resurrection, right? Then let's, let's learn the heart of this. Let's saturate ourselves with Jesus. And then uh, finally, if some, some of you really grow when you memorize the Word. If you've grown up in church, you've discovered the benefit of this. So uh, a great challenge would be to memorize our passage today. Uh, and then it might make you less uh, willing to pick up a burden again in your life and become weary again. So it's a worthy challenge. On the right-hand side of that connection card, you'll see where Activate. You can check which Activate works best for you. Come find out why we do what we do. You can read more about that on the city, uh, uh, on our online community. But let me pray for you. Lord, wow. How in the world did I just talk for like 35 minutes about an uncomplicated matter that's centered on you? Will you help us to not complicate this faith? 
Will you help us just to rest in you, Jesus? We're probably going to have to be exposed to you a little bit more and read your word more to really understand that, yep, it's all about Jesus. That's God's solution for our work mindset. Help us to rest in our second chance. And for some in this room that have yet to enter into a relationship with you, that's going to be tough still to grasp. But maybe it finally made sense today, and somebody here is saying, okay, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus because I've realized for the first time I don't have to earn it. I don't have to be worthy. I just have to be willing to to say Jesus is Lord. And, And so I pray that that's somebody's choice today, and we celebrate with them. But God, I pray as well for the weary in this room. Will you release them from the work and the burden and the weight that they're carrying spiritually in their life, the religious spirits around them that would try to weigh down on them that they're not legit unless they're doing all these laws. When you make it clear that we need to take you upon us, out of our relationship with you, we'll bear fruit that looks like we're obeying the law, but in reality, it's just beautiful fruit out of the simplicity of following Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity we have to do it. We surrender our lives to you. We worship you. So now give us our action step, Lord, on the back of that connection card. What is it that we need to take on to help ourselves grow in relationship with Jesus and fulfillment and peace and rest? Work in us now as we worship in Jesus' name. Amen.